Hello and welcome to Living Wow Feminist. Living Wow Feminist is a weekly podcast talking with feminists about the ups and downs, ins and outs, and the emotional rollercoaster ride of living a feminist life. I'm your host, feminist writer, researcher, and author, Jen Thorpe. Today on the podcast, I'm talking with Anilile Tlamini Gibikreko. Anilile is a Peter Maritzburg-born author, mother, and scientist. She completed a Bachelor of Science in Microbiology and Cellular Biology in 2011 from the University of KwaZulu-Natal, and she has an honors degree in Environmental Science from Northwest University, which she achieved in 2017. By day, she is a researcher and environmental activist, but that is not all that she does. Since moving to Johannesburg in 2015, she became a network builder, has published opinion pieces, spoken at conferences, and has earned herself the title Motivational Speaker. Anelile also started her own publishing house, Nokurasa Publishing, in 2019, and published her de- debut novel, Egoli Dreams. She's contributed publication towards publications like Living While Feminist, Ayana Magazine, The Daily Maverick, Imbaula, Live Literature Market, and My Black Matters. Alongside these, she's continued with her environmental work, presenting at research conferences like The Water Show South Africa and others. Anelile identifies herself as an eco-feminist, which focuses on the oppression of nature and its links with the oppression of women. But in her piece in Living While Feminist, she focuses a bit closer to home, on her relationship with her faith and the church. Her piece is called Feminism in the Church, where she writes about her experiences of becoming a mother within her faith and makes her argument for why Jesus is a feminist. She says in that piece, I had seen the structural sexism in my church and partaken in its rituals. After coming across some feminist literature, books, novels, and speeches, I realized that Christianity had portrayed feminism as an enemy state, but that that was not the case. In my journey to becoming the Catholic eco-feminist that I am today, I played with the idea that Jesus himself was a feminist. So we will be talking more about that today. Anilile, welcome to the show. Um, thank you so much. Um, yes, hi Jen and um, hello to your listeners. I am such a huge fan of this podcast and your work. Um, so I'm very pleased to be here. Yeah. No, I'm so excited to be talking to you about all of those things that you're busy doing. Um, and I'm sure everybody wants us to get straight to the point where you tell us how Jesus is a feminist. But if it's okay with you, <laughs> I'd like to start with some of the other themes in your piece before we get there. So you begin your piece with a scene where you had been prepared to play a really important role in your Catholic church service, but you were thwarted by the intervention of another woman in the church who said that women who were menstruating couldn't do the duty. Can you tell us why you decided to start with that moment and what it meant for you? So because this particular um, part of the Holy Mass, which is a service, is so important, um, you literally, like, um, burn incense in the, on the altar and that's the point where um, there's a there's the conversion of bread to blood to body wine to blood and that's that point where we invite all the people who have died in Christ before um, to awaken and to join um, the service with us so it's very important it was very important for for me to finally be part of that 
because previously um it was the older servers that were able to do it or the boy servers because um allegedly boys do everything right so for me it was it was and i practiced and i had done the research and i did all of those things and when it was finally my time to um to do it you know i was very excited um i'd been thinking about it a lot it was important to me and i think because in the morning um i had gone to the loo with the sacristy lady man gobo uh in the in who is in the in the essay um and she noticed i don't know how but like maybe she saw my sanitary towel or whatever um and then later on she was like oh no 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 you can't serve today because i know you're on your period um and that was really just traumatic it was traumatic because firstly um i'm not a mean person you know i'm a good person and i was a, i was i was a good server and for me to be denied at that particular point felt very traumatic um and i think that's why i've never forgotten it and and i felt a great like injustice and after that um of course because i'm a re- i'm a rebel you know there was talks about it in the meetings in the following meetings with the alpha service next thing you know only boys are serving more um all the girls weren't allowed to go in the altar you know so then that just obviously you know like erases uh girl alpha service because um all of us we go through this thing right every month it's normal but at that time it just felt like yo my god um this burden now i can't fulfill my duties you know now i can't have fun you know and then you know my dad started noticing that table what's going on and then now I have to tell him and we all know how menstruation discussions are in the in the black family now you know it's a big you know hullabaloo even the boys service of course would you know tease us because we're all teenagers and things and that was just a very intrusive very invasive um procedure and this protocol was like completely unfounded um and when i we spoke to our priest at that time he was like ah oh, no man ladies please like don't don't mind her and then he told her that she, she mustn't deny us um access um but even when we were on the altar and you were on your period you know you just felt very some i don't know like insecure you felt um unworthy to be there you really just felt less than compared to the other uh service you know and it's just the beginning of that whole thing that we are beneath men you know men uh women should not even be in the altar you know and 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 that whole um injustice you know starts manifesting itself in little girls that way and i've really just never forgotten it and it's always been a trauma um a traumatic experience for me and i think that's why then when i finally <sighs> wrote this essay it was the first point um i could identify it as the first point of um injustice you know based on gender and that's why i say i think this is where my feminism began and also me challenging the system you know probably where my activism began you know even though i was being silenced i was being you know teased a lot and things like that so i think that's why i never forgot it so that experience um of having a woman gatekeeper reinforcing a certain power dynamic in the church felt for you like a sort of feminist awakening and you say in your piece she aimed to teach us she had been taught not out of spite but to protect us from sin 
This was the point where my feminism began, although I had not acknowledged it. In my transition to being a feminist, I began to question my Christianity. How could I form part of an institution riddled with misogyny and yet have it relate to me so well? So tell me a little bit about your feminist journey and how you link your two beliefs of Catholicism and feminism. When I think about why I'm so insistent on Catholicism, it's simply just because I'm in love with the procedures, I'm in love with the processes, um, I'm in love with the symbols, I'm in love with the prayers. And that is really how I keep going back, you know. Um, and I understood that, you know, the spirit fills me this way, the, 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 the songs, all these symbols, all of this is so great, right, in the church, and it's great, and I love it. And yet the same system oppresses me and is misogynistic and is um, sexist. And when you think about it, really, how could I... Um, navigate the two spaces you know and I, I still struggle even to today you know there's a lot of um contradictions proper contradictions and you know you just try to you try to um unlearn certain things and and, and relearn other things and make sort of these um smaller actions of like rebellion but um i wouldn't say i've found the balance between the two i can just say that that was a point you know, that point um, in the journey in my as an autosurf, as a teenager, is definitely a point where I started recognizing the injustice. I, I was, I, I could see the sexism, you know, being displayed on others, the violence um, being displayed on others, like this disrobing um, of like your guilt and your medal and all your symbols. You know, and um, how how um, younger unmarried women were treated differently to the older married women. And if you're older and unmarried, you're treated completely differently. And like the men are treated. So you, you I, I, I saw the injustices. Um, I saw it happen in front of me. I formed part of it. And however, it just did not sit well with me. So I was not going to identify it as feminist. But I could still see it as, no man, something's wrong here. Your story also speaks about when you fell pregnant and your experience there in what felt like as a reader, sort of public shaming. You were ostracized and excluded by your religious group and your mom was afraid of you going to church because there was, um, you weren't married to your sexual partner at that time. But you kept going to church in a different parish. And I wonder what kept you going to church during this really tough time. It was a, it was quite a shaming because um, before that, I was really the poster child for like, you know, the church girl. You know, I was disciplined. I was smart. I was pretty. I mean, I, I led the youth um, for years. You know, I led the altar service. I led the youth. Um, I then... Um, in the church there are hierarchies so once you take a guild um, or a solidarity like I did which is the Legion of Mary um, you sort of further elevate you know your your level of 
you know of christianity or of of um obedience to the church and things like that so when i took up the guild i was 21 you know i graduated i was a scientist all the all the you know all the mothers were like hey look at anelile she's great why can't you be like anelile you know and i was respectful in all of those things so when i felt pregnant it was like oh my gosh not her right and i was also shocked you know um it was definitely not planned um i was not going to have an abortion um i was not going to marry the father of my child um there was no relationship between us for you know to even you know begin talking about taking a next stage you know just to legitimize my baby and or legitimize my pregnancy you know and when i told the church leaders so i told my priest and we went into a confessionary to a confessionary and the the point of that was this um he told me that god has already forgiven you for you know your transgressions all that needs to happen now is for you to say them out loud to yourself and forgive yourself and um so the confession is sort of like a healing it's, it's supposed to be like a therapy you know and then he's um supposed to guide you through it and that was great so that's really that conversation is what kept me solid in the faith and i just concentrated on the journey like you said and not concentrated on the punishments and this constant um shunning away and like this this being chased away from the things that i love like i love church i love i love i love being there i love the songs i love the whole thing that's why i was so active in it so i know a lot of other women don't go past the confession in fact once you fall pregnant you just leave the church will see you maybe in two years with a small baby and then you must take a class again you know and you know so i definitely wanted to quicken the process and also so that my mom can stop being embarrassed of me and that um, I could I don't know um, be a symbol of the comeback kid you know in the church in the youth and to sort of restore faith that sometimes we do make mistakes but good things can come out of those and that um, we must enhance our journeys that's why those words of my priest I've highlighted in the in the essay because they meant a lot to me from a feminist perspective, it makes sense to me that there's power in telling your story and having your truth heard and witnessed, and that sometimes it is just the telling and the witnessing of the truth that can help you to heal. Um, I wonder what role confession plays in your life now and whether you also see these you know, feminist links. You know, there's nothing as daunting as confessing your sins, and I don't know why. <laughs> um i think in 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 the process of of acknowledging the things that you have done acknowledging your role in doing the things you've done um and 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 just you know um realizing sometimes we overthink things and once you have said them out loud in the presence of someone else you realize oh man you know what it is not that big a deal, you know, and um, there are prayers that you say before the confession. Yeah, there's rituals that follow. 
uh, it doesn't end at the confessionary there's like other procedures that must be followed and the sins are forgiven once you have asked for forgiveness so even before um the the actual being in the confessionary i do like the fact that it's a physical symbol of you you know separating yourself from the from the sin relieving yourself from it no longer attaching yourself from from it i think it's a more psychological thing than a than a physical thing so i do like that refresh um button option even today but i do believe we serve like a a good god a forgiving god and wherever you are and you're asking for penance um it's already granted automatically and we do really punish ourselves more um than than we should for most things so now i suppose we should get onto the juicy bit that everybody is wondering can you unpack the reasons that you gave why you think jesus is a feminist and can you tell me a bit about some of the reactions you've received to your piece since you published it looking at the bible as a piece of literature was important for me because um then i could just study it you know sometimes when we listen to scriptures when they're being preached we sort of forget that this was real life at some point this is a historical recollection of events um and that's how i've i've looked at the bible and the research for this um essay right to prove my point and i highlight four specific events very popular events very popular in the bible very popular in in biblical preachings and scriptures that if we look at them closely we will see um how how we reach the conclusion that look jesus as a person right and as as a part of the holy trinity was actually doing what feminism is doing now so i i i write um Jesus is feminist. There was good evidence for this belief. According to the Romans uh, 10 verses 13, everyone who calls on his name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus frees humanity from oppressive laws in the same way feminists strive to free people from oppressive laws today. Um, feminism preaches equality, self-love, and love for others. And, Je- and Jesus also gives this commandment in John 13 verses 34 that says as I have loved you so you must love one another I think that is basic feminist literature at its best you know that we must love one another that we must uh, like basically just you know appreciate each other as humans and as equals I've had okay responses those that have read um corona did sort of delay the um, the interaction or sort of really killed it not delayed it and i know when the book came out um people were just like how are you still there right and that's the question you asked but people are familiar with the catholic church and i mean i'm no you know speaker for it um i do just believe that uh even like like methodist churches for example um they have women priestesses i feel like that's very revolutionary it's abnormal to see um them being treated right and things but you know the church dynamics are are an interesting topic for me um and as i've grown older and as as i attend church now and 
I see the dynamics more clearer, more clearer with the feminist spectac- uh, um, spectacle. I can see that no, look, um, through this lens it's fine, but through this feminist lens it's not fine. And how can we then start to, you know, change some of those things and and what are things that need to be formulated and such? So it got the conversation going. I like that we are talking and I love that we are having an honest discussion and debates because there are definite contradictions. You also describe yourself in your bio as an eco-feminist and I'm wondering what that means for you and whether you can tell me a little bit more about your work as a researcher and environmental activist. Yeah, I identify as an eco-feminist. the the fight of the earth is embedded within the fights of 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 humanity humanity and nature has been punished and brutalized in the way that um women have i i i chose that because um at some points there was a lot of stuff around you need to identify which type of feminist you are etc and um, this is the work that I'd already been doing um, as a professional scientist, as an, an environmentalist. Um, although I'm not a tree hugger, so you see a tree hugger is different. Um, I am fundamentally a, a a believer in science. I study it. I believe in the science of it. I, be- I believe in the science of natural um cycles and systems and things like that that's what i've studied and i believe in climate change and i believe in um you know restoration programs and things like that and i design those and things like that so um when you think about climate justice um my motivation is always because the societal um impacts how can i put it so climate change destroys cities right it destroys um but it also destroys humanity um not just in the physical but um there's a gender element to how it it manifests itself in society today and in simple things like um air pollution will change a woman's hormones. Um, And if she's pregnant, it will change how that particular fetus or embryo develops. And if if something's wrong with that particular embryo, um, it's the woman that will have to to bear those consequences. Um, It's the woman that will have to bear the child and then take care of the child. Um, You know, there's a lot of under lying consequences for women um in terms of environmental injustices right so climate change will will change the water it will impact your children it will impact um your internal chemistry and things like that so outside of that there's also this thing that um so climate change manifests itself like in like weather changes for example and it manifests itself in things like um um natural disasters and i can guarantee you that if there's a natural disaster women will be impacted more women will be impacted more children will be impacted more women will have to take care of the children um and then there's that element that we need to protect um it's like climate change is a gender issue like it's it's 
it's an integral portion of it and that um that should motivate against climate change even more um and that the impacts of climate change are far more detrimental for women um because of the generational issue and um the last thing is that women girl children um are doing so are doing well in terms of technologies and STEM and education and things like that. And we need more female scientists, you know. So I'm also for for that component that outside of seeking for climate justice for women um, to be relieved of these climate prejudices and climate impacts, um, you know, that we must find ourselves into a uh, position of um, less climate change impacts, you know, and then there's this, this is sort of the work that I do um, in, in motivating for a just transition to a low carbon economy. A low carbon economy will benefit women. A low carbon economy will um, get women better jobs, you know, things like that. So I, I genuinely uh, feel like fundamentally the impacts of climate change um, hits women the worst not just internally, but also externally, but also in society. In summary, <laughs> um, a free earth is a, a free woman um, is a free is a free earth. So with that in mind, I've recently been doing some work myself around gender analysis in relation to South Africa's climate change policies. And I have to say, I mean, I'm unsurprised, but it's really sad that they're almost all completely gender blind. So for those who aren't familiar with the term uh, just transition, could you maybe just give us a quick definition? And could you tell us a bit about how you think ecofeminism could help South Africa develop better policies and plans to respond to those climate change impacts that you've given examples of now? Yeah, so basically a transition um, that is just is probably one that is um, going to ensure that, firstly, that the economical components of South Africa are uh, are not um, compromised, um, that the socia uh, uh, societal components of South Africa are not compromised, and then also the environmental components. Uh, a just transition would ensure that all these three elements are in sync. So on top of all of this important work that you're doing to raise awareness of the gendered implications of these various climatic issues and environmental issues, you're also a publisher and a published author. Tell me about founding Nokurasa Publishing in 2019, what, it, what the name Nokurasa means or symbolizes, and why you decided to start a publishing house. Well, that is a very deep question. Um, as many have have heard um i got scammed by a small publisher um in 2018 and yeah you know a lot of scamming does happen in the industry just because of um uh i don't know lack of access to like proper editors you know people call themselves editors but you have no way to prove it uh people just doing some shoddy shoddy work and because the publishing business is simple um, anyone can mimic it. Um, so yeah, I got scammed that way. Um, and the reason why I found myself with her is because the mainstream 
publishers um, had not taken my manuscript. Um, there were so many calls for, uh, for manuscripts, you know, your Pan Macmillan, Penguins and all of that, and none of them took it up. I now know in my big age again, that the publishing industry, the way it's set up, um, it's very difficult for unknown authors to actually be taken up by the system, just simply because of the um, heavily uh, leaning of the publishing industry to international books. Um, for example, 80% are imported. And then so we're all fighting for the South African 20%. And we know that nonfiction books weigh a lot on that. Afrikaans books weigh a lot on that. And I was really unknown at the time. So that's how I ended up self-publishing. Then I founded my company because I felt that more than the work of publishing, um, I really want to uh, to be an, a, a fountain of information. Um, I planned a lot of writing courses, how to get published courses, all of those things before COVID, um, just so that people understand what it, how it works. And if I have to do all of these things um you know over the over the internet and stuff i think i definitely will because there's so much talent out there there's so many people willing to write um and i do think that the self-publishing industry is on the rise so i just wanted to form part of that institutionalize it also so that um when it's a registered company and things like that it's easier to get funding um, from government and all of that and and private sector so that i can actually um that so nokurasa means uh queen of pages um the zulu nomenclature culture uh uno the no symbolizes queen of mother of so if you are no mandla or no sipo or no mbilo you are queen of those things um kurasa is a swahili name for pages and uh yeah, so I just thought, you know what, I want to be the queen of pages, I want to be the queen of storytelling, I want to I want to build an institution that is heavily biased towards um, black women, uh, the oppressed, um, yeah, and a pan-African approach and ideology, basically. You have also published your own book, Igoli Dreams. For listeners who haven't read it yet, tell us what that book is about and where we can find it. Yeah, Equally Dreams is a novel. Um, it was written in the plight of uh, Men Are Trash, um, the very first hashtag Men Are Trash. And that was a while ago, now that you think about it. Um, what had happened was um, the death of Garabo Mokwena um, shook the country so much that the Men Are Trash hashtag was trending and it was trending on Facebook, it was trending on Twitter and all of that. And we were not sleeping, Jane. We were tweeting, we were doing threads. And it's really just a labor of like, um, uh, what can I say? Like self-abuse. Like we were, it was torturous. Whew. And we were at it. I remember a friend of mine who didn't sleep till like 4 a.m. the one time, just trying to explain to people, this is this, this is that, this is that. And in all honesty, I felt that, no, man, there's a, there must be a, a better way to um, to get this particular message across. And that's when I decided to write. The the, the story was, was burning inside of me in any way, in any case, because I really wanted to... Um, show the different forms and the different types of rape 
um, but also just to zone in on intimate relationship um, violence and how it manifests itself and all that on all the red flags and stuff um i think it's a very impactful book i think it's a very important book it also covers themes like feminism i, I consider it feminist literature um it covers things like um, um migrant labor you know moving from from durban to joburg to look for equally um and all of that so it's it's Sure, it's been such a long time since I wrote it because I wrote it for like, you know, a while before it got published. And I like the fact that, you know, that po- that portion um, of, of our lives is now in history forever because it's published in a book. So, yeah, Equally Dreams is available on my website for 220. Uh, I'm not in mainstream, main trade bookshops. I have three last questions that I'm asking all of the contributors to the podcast. The first is, what is a book that has inspired your feminism? The first book that inspired my feminism is probably the first books of feminist literature that I read were Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. And she... Um, it was half of a yellow sun, um, and then it was purple hibiscus. Um, the other two, you know, <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I'm always around. My fave, my fave is definitely um, half of a yellow sun, and and therefore I started listening to her more. Therefore I started um, understanding things like why uh, listening to things like why should all we why should we all be feminist, and then coming closer to home was definitely um, feminism is, which I got much later. I got I, I I bought it, but I read it much later, just because. Um, I'm a scientist, so <laughs> these, you know, these ideological things sometimes miss me, and I'm and I'm always frustrated with the with the with the culture for that, with the feminist uh, revolution for that. It, it it uses very big language that typically just excludes us. So um, I was thinking it's one of one going to be one of those books, and then the first essay by Opumla Dinewokola uh, definitely, you know. I found the I found the softness of feminism. I found the subtle the subtle um, uh, tones of it. And even though I was already identifying as as one from my own research, but I can definitely say that feminism is locally misbehave. Definitely, um, rape, pumla gola, um, and the initial wave of Chimamanda in my life. Um, in Papalipiscus because it is a Catholic um, uh, family story, Papalipiscus. In fact, I definitely need to read it again. <laughs> the second to last question I have for you is, do you have a quote that inspires you or that you live by? So my favorite quotes um, are by Bibi Yakari Yusuf, um, who is the Nigerian publisher of Cassava Press. Um, that is just a really amazing African press that we can look up to. Um, that has that has given us such great literature, that has been able to be adaptable, that has been able to be international and versatile in the Nigerian market. 
um I love BB and I've met her a few times and every time she just blows my mind away with her wisdom and her um and her resilience. Uh so um my favorite quote by her is um it goes something along the lines around us owning we need to own the means of production. Um us owning the means of production means that we are able to um write our stories the way we want to. Now okay, I've paraphrased a lot. I've paraphrased a lot. Um and the second one is 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 also around that on some yeah, yeah, yeah. If we cannot write our own stories, um, then then we can't blame others for changing our narrative. Um, yeah, Ugh, that's not the quote at all. That is not <laughs> that is not the quote. But um, I hope you understand the gist of it. I absolutely adore her. And last off, what is your advice for feminists on their journey? My advice to feminists is. Let's be kind, you know, let's, let's be open. Let's, um, let's read, you know, let's encourage people to read. Let's write, um, the feminism that we believe in, into like common narrative. Let it be in mainstream publishing. Let it be in, um, the, in, in, in reflected, in 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 every platform not only the woke platforms because you know in this culture now where there's a lot of calling outs and there's wokeness and there's twitter you know and all of these things which which are great for the revolution but can can somehow sometimes be a bit too aggressive so i just want to say we can we really can fight um longer um battles through um through our kindness um through understanding that feminism is a kindness that feminism is a liberation movement it's an absolutely amazing movement to be part of it's very difficult in some spaces and in those spaces that's where we need to be kindest the most because um what we potentially doing is is asking people to attack themselves and um, find themselves and find um, their own areas within themselves, acknowledge them, apologize. That is a difficult task. Um, so, so, so as many as much as um, there's a space for for us to be loud, and there we will be loud. And as much as there's spaces for us to be aggressive and to fight and to not compromise um, on the hard issues, there in those spaces we definitely will. More times than not, um, a gentle conversation, an affirming conversation, an open and fragile conversation, does assist. Um, uh, to increase the kingdom of feminism <laughs> if i can call it that onto the revolution and just um uh yeah like the language all of those things i think they can really really um be changed to be, be to be more open because because not everyone is a gender studies you know um professor and stuff I'm really pleased of the work that we're doing. Uh, I'm really pleased about my essay in, in Living While Feminist. I'm really pleased about my book, Goli Dreams. I'm really pleased about this the, this podcast with you, Jen. I mean, I feel like everything um, 
is, is going to work out together so brilliantly and i love how all our different feminisms somehow at the at the core of it um have the same principles and as long as we are aligned in that way then i am just happy to be part of it i'm happy to support i'm happy to catch webinars and all of that thank you so much for coming on the show today it's been great talking with you and thanks for the work that you're doing for the environment and for promoting feminist writers it's been great you know being on this podcast thank you so much um for listening to the end of my rambling um and also just uh, the opportunity to write with you and uh, to be edited by you and also just to be interviewed by you um you're one person that i admire a lot um i think you are an ally and um we appreciate you in the in this sort of little um podcast or in this sort of little uh, revolution that cannot wait to see what's next thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of living while feminist with me jen thorpe please do tune in next week to hear more from feminists about their lives and experiences take care of yourselves